Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Titan Size Podcast. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan Size Podcast, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We are uh, back to recap briefly the Titans' Monday night football victory over the Dallas Cowboys, and then we're going to hop into previewing this week's opponent, who is slightly better, uh, the New England Patriots. Um, Let's get right into the Monday night game, though, to start out. And I think the MVP of that game is Marcus Mariota, who had... Perhaps his best game, honestly, since the his debut game when he had the perfect passer rating. I mean, Mariota was sensational. Ran the ball well, delivered accurate, catchable f- passes, and uh, and didn't turn it o- didn't turn it over. Yeah, uh, according to ESPN's QBR rating, uh, it was a seventy point three, so very average game from Mariota. C- c- gotta agree with that. Obviously, he he was just plain average. I I don't, whatever. I don't care. He was fantastic in this game. Uh, he just looked really comfortable, was in complete control of the offense, made a couple of outstanding throws, especially the one to Darius Jennings over the middle that everyone has seen already uh, and raved about. Um, used his legs perfectly, uh, was really good moving around in the pocket, finding time for himself. And I think more importantly than a- anything else, he was trusting his receivers to, to make plays uh, a couple of times. Uh, before the receiver even broke on his route, uh, I think it, I think it was with Corey Davis a couple of times and, and Batson one time uh, on the left side of the field. Uh, he just threw it before the receiver even had come out of his break and just trust, trusted his guy to make the catch. Um, and both times they did make the catch. So that was really important because Mariota has been kind of tentative in terms of throwing into tight windows in the past. Um, and I thought that that was a good development uh, coming out of the bye week. Real quick, you know, that ESPN quarterback rating stat, you know, they think the best game of all time by a quarterback was by Charlie Batch in a game where he, yeah. threw, he threw two touchdowns and an interception. Yeah, I don't I don't understand math, man. I really don't. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Marcus Mariota's great. Like, I mean, he's never going to be a guy who – you want to throw 40 times a game and you just want to throw it deep and all over the field. Not that he can't, but I mean, he would much rather take the 12 yard pass. That's an easier completion than the 25 yard pass. That's like a deep shot. Like that's just the kind of quarterback he is. But if the deep shots there, he will take it. Like he threw that deep pass to Darius Jennings and it was perfect. Like I think everybody knows what Mariota is. But then if there's a bad game and it sits in people's head for too long, they get upset and they get, you know, they compound that with the injuries and all that kind of stuff and just shove it together in a pile of negatives and put it on Mariota. But I mean, he's, I mean, I, I, I don't know what else to say other than the fact that that's the guy I expect to get most weeks. 
and when the receivers aren't dropping passes and when he doesn't have to throw out a third and nine every time, he's a really accurate and consistent player, and those are the types of games you should get more often than not with him. And I will say this. Um, the thing now is he had the good game. He played really well. But he has to build off of that. He can't have mm-hmm. this game and then come out against the Patriots on Sunday and throw two horrific interceptions to no touchdowns. Like, that's what's got to change with Mariota. No one's saying he's a bad quarterback. I've never, ever said that. The problem is he is way too inconsistent. And this game is coming off the heels of a game, right, where he threw a back-breaking red zone interception, and then the game before that, he held the ball too long and took 11 sacks. Like, you got you, you got to string together the good games, and that's what's missing. Not the ability, it's the consistency. Yeah. yeah but, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say I agree. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> then, then I have something to say. So – to me, all of that comes down to trusting your receivers, like Matisse was talking about earlier. When he throws, I mean, he's usually pretty consistent, and then when he gets guys that start dropping passes, I think he hesitates. I think he thinks that's not a safe throw anymore because John U. Smith won't catch it. So he eliminates that pre-snap, even if that's probably where he should go. But isn't what that ha- a problem? Yeah, I mean, it's a flaw, but it's, I mean, it's a flaw in that you shouldn't trust bad players when they're playing poorly. I mean, that, that's, I like, mean that's like saying, I'm not going to drive to work tomorrow because traffic's always bad, so that just doesn't seem like a good idea. Well, it'd be like that if one of your tires was flat and you had a recall on your airbags. Because, I mean, he's throwing, he's choosing not to throw to Jonu Smith and Taewon Taylor. It's not like he's got Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, or even Corey Davis. Like, if Corey Davis has a drop, he still targets Corey Davis because he knows more often than not he comes up with it. But if Johnny Smith drops a pass, he's not super excited to throw to Johnny Smith again, and he looks off from him. So now you've got a quarterback who pre-snap has a couple of reads and knows what should be there and what shouldn't. And unless somebody's wide open, like, you know, Johnny Smith was pretty wide open on the Sean Lee uh, catch when he pulled up with a hamstring. But Mm -hmm. until then, like, I mean, he just doesn't feel comfortable targeting those guys. And I think that affects him. And, you know, it all kind of goes back to that as the root of the problem. Like the Baltimore game, you know, he he had a miscue deep on the Taewon Taylor route, and whether he ran the wrong route, not wrong, but just slightly different than he thought, or whether the ref was in the right way or whatever. I mean, ever since that play, it, I mean, after that play, it just messed him up the rest of the game. And that's why he holds on to the ball so long and panics is because once he doesn't trust his receivers, I think he freaks out, which is a problem. But all that can be solved if your receivers just catch the ball. Uh, I mean, so all this is just me being a Mariota apologist. Like, I, I, I think if you give him people that do their jobs, they don't have to be spectacular and he can still win a lot of games. But when the receivers are failing him and the running game isn't working, he's probably not going to win you the game. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're right with that. Let's talk about the receivers because nine of them caught passes on Monday, which is a crazy stat. I don't know that I've ever seen that. I don't know that I've ever seen that ever, but certainly not in a Titans game. So, um, look, we kind of know what these guys are at this point. Cameron Batson's fast. Darius Jennings is whatever. Johnny Smith is. Has potential. He's athletic. If he catches the ball, he's fine. What is Corey Davis at this point? 
Because looking at the stats from uh, the game on Monday, everybody on that team got like two targets except for Corey Davis who got nine. Clearly they're trying to work the ball to him more than anyone else. But he's been pretty silent on the stat sheet ever since that Eagles game. What's going on with Corey Davis? Yeah, we really haven't been seeing many explosive plays out of him, but I, I don't think we've really put him in, in into position uh, to get those kinds of plays. A lot of a lot of the catches he's getting are on just you know comeback routes, and when right as he's coming out of the break, he's getting the ball, um, and he hasn't really been able to do much after the catch. Um, but that's fine. I mean, I mean, I guess that's fine if he's just going to be a chain mover. That's kind of just what this offense really needs. Just a guy that can actually catch the ball. Um, granted, you want to see him have that yards after the catch ability that we've seen in a couple of games from him earlier in the season. Um, but I, I, I don't know if, if that's what the offense really needs right now. We do need some ex- explosiveness, um, but you, you want that to come from more of the, the faster guys like like Batson, like you said, and Taewon Taylor, who's just you know the, the, kind of an afterthought in the offense at this point. But um, I, I think it's encouraging that so many players caught passes and so many uh, receivers um, contributed, especially because Tajay Sharp, uh, I know he played a lot of snaps, but it was it was pretty clear that he was dealing with an injury. Um, and considering he hasn't practiced yet this week, he was definitely dealing with an injury that, that hampered him. So for Mariota to have one of his best games without arguably his most reliable target, um, I think that that's a good sign for Mariota and also for the other receivers who stepped up. Okay, so what I don't understand about Corey Davis is for Philadelphia, they said, we think you're a deep threat. We think you can make plays deep. We're going to run you on deep routes. And that was the last time we saw him do it. I I mean, he was great. You know, he tracked the ball in the air well. He caught – I mean, he didn't have any drops or anything weird like that. He seemed to create separation in his breaks. He was a good deep threat receiver, but that job has been turned over to – Taewon Taylor some weeks, Tajay Sharp some weeks, Darius Jennings this past week. It's just not the role they want him in. They want him to play, okay, we're going to have you on 12, which I guess if you've got Mariota, that's what you want to do is, okay, you know we're going to run you on intermediate routes because you generally get open and those are the routes Mariota likes to throw. I, I don't know why he's not being targeted deep. I don't understand that at all. He was targeted in the end zone, and he should have caught a touchdown versus Dallas, but it was just a poorly thrown pass. But, I mean, they've given him one chance to be a real playmaking deep threat wide receiver, and he he succeeded, and they just haven't gone back to that well. And I know he's drawing extra special coverage, and he's getting bracketed, or he's going against a number one corner or whatever, but – at some point, you have to trust your receiver to make plays after you've seen him do it earlier in the year. So, I mean, to me, Corey Davis is a really solid intermediate receiver who can also run deep routes, but he's just only 50% of his skill sets being used. Can, can I just say, I mean, I know Corey Davis is was drafted to be this, this top five, top ten receiver in the league. I mean, that's what we hope, but he has had one of the toughest schedules in terms of uh, going up against opposing cornerbacks that, that I've, se- I've seen in a while. Um, it, just his matchups since that Eagles hit game have been absolutely brutal. Uh, he played against Tredavis White, who's one of the better cornerbacks in the league. Against Baltimore, he had to go against Jimmy Smith. Uh, then he had to deal with Casey Hayward. And for a lot of the Dallas game, he had to deal with Byron Jones 
all those guys are like top 15 to top 20 cornerbacks in the league. Um, and considering that our, our other receivers just don't pose a threat, um, they could just focus on shutting down Corey Davis. Um, and a couple of teams have done that, and in a couple other games, um, he's played fine, but he just hasn't gotten uh, the opportunity to explode like we would hope. Yeah, and that's that's a great point because in the first week he got Xavier Howard, and uh-huh. then Mariota got the week he should have gone against a bad Houston secondary. And then Mariota came back with a little bit of feeling in his hand, and he had to go against A.J. Boye and Jalen Ramsey. I mean, he's had – and then, the you know, the game after that was a Philadelphia game where he went off because they really don't have a great corner. So, I mean, the one time he really should have had a matchup he could have exploited was Houston, and that was the one game that Mariota didn't play anything. So – But but we can't sit here and defend them every time. I said, well, they're playing a tough team. Like, the old cliche, every team in the NFL is tough, like, that's becoming a pattern. Like, you can't blame every loss on, well, it was a tough team. But, I mean, he's not on pace for the Bills a tough team. I mean, their Ah. defense. For us, for us, they were. Like, their defense is not a bad defense. Like, especially the first five or six weeks of this. I mean, they were very good early on. But, I mean, even then, like, it's not like he's on pace for, you know, 200 yards. He's on pace for a 900-yard season. The only only problem is, is, like, they get to the one-yard line, and instead of throwing a slant, they run the ball with Derrick Henry for his one of his five That's carries. That's always a problem, goal line or otherwise. If you're giving it to Henry, it's a problem. I mean, he's <laughs> – Honestly, like he's been, we'll discuss this later. But I mean, that's that's the thing is everybody wants him to be a red zone threat, and maybe he is, but he really doesn't have a chance where we say, okay, we're going to line up trips to the right and Corey Davis to the left, and we're going to run a slant or a fade, and you just go up and get the ball. Like we we didn't do that when he was a rookie because we had Delaney Walker, and we have done that now. So I mean, he could, I mean, he could have two or three more touchdowns, but I mean, he's on pace for nine hundred yards. And he's done that with Mario to not being able to feel his fingers. So, I mean, that's a pretty solid year so far. I agree. Let's let's have the Derrick Henry conversation now. Because, Will, I don't know what you can say other than that he's not good. No, I mean, he's a good, like, from the one-yard line. I I mean, him jumping over the Dallas pile and just happening to be 6'3". You know, we we talked about, and I know Teron says it, I think, every week, that size isn't a skill, and that's why he likes Deion Lewis. But... Size is kind of a skill when you're on the one-yard line and you just yes, leap over he's good on the one-yard line. I'll give him yeah. that. that that's, that's all I said is in the goal line situations that he's the guy that get the, gets the ball off. And they, that's my only point. I don't think he should be getting more carries even though that's in my timeline and in my mentions a lot. I, I do not think he's a guy who should get more than five to eight carries a game right now. But, I, I mean, I, I don't think, know what you're talking about. If he gets 25 carries a game, we're going to beat everyone. That's true. Every game we played where he said 20 or more carries, we've won. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't argue. Luke, with Luke told us that stat because it's his favorite stat. What's the stat again? Uh, it was that stat that Derrick Henry, in games where he rushed more than 10 times, the Titans were like undefeated until oh, earlier. I hate that Until the stat. Buffalo game, right? Yeah. Oh, no, we lost, the, the, we lost against the Dolphins. He had 10 carries. Oh, was that true? Yeah, yeah. Oh. He he got twenty six yards on he's on ten a, carries. He's a volume back. You gotta give him fifty five. I thought you carries. were saying that to the tune of Monster Mash. I was yeah. confused. 
What is this, what is this weird narrative that you, he's a volume back, and if you just keep he's giving not. him the ball, he's going to get well, better as the game goes I on? I don't know that anyone is a volume back in the NFL. Are you not, just going to keep feeding the guy I into think, brick walls I think that's a the myth. whole game? Well, okay. I think volume back and home run hitter are the same descriptive they, term. They just, are. They 100% are. And unfortunately, and that, oftentimes it's a synonym for not good. Yeah, it's a synonym for, okay, well, I know we only got two yards per carry. It's what people describe Leonard Fournette as because eventually if you give him 25 carries, he'll get over 100 yards, and that makes him a volume back. It's like because calling, people uh, who was it? Was it Adam Dunn? The the guy who always had the really low yes. batting, yeah, it's like calling him a volume yeah. hitter. <laughs> was, well, you just gotta just gotta give him those at bats, and he'll hit some out eventually. Like that's such a flawed idea. Yeah, I got no do idea. Guys, about. Do you guys remember uh, week seventeen of last year when we turned Derrick Henry into a volume back, and he responded with fifty one yards on twenty eight carries? One of the worst was, rushing performances I've ever witnessed. He was, that was terrible. So- that game was... My mom even was at the game and she was like, why do they keep giving this guy the ball? <laughs> I love that so much. But yeah, that was a really, really bad game. And that, that was him as, as the volume rusher. I mean, granted, he took a screen pass to the house, but... Yeah, but. also, y'all remember it was like four degrees outside? Like, so cold. Ah, yeah. I mean, that's, like, that's so painful to be cold and run in like... I don't know. Like, he's not a guy who's, you know, I love football so much, I'm going to run as hard as I can every play. Like, that's not him at all anyway. So adding in cold to a guy who played football at Alabama and grew up in Florida is probably not a great, you know, formula. I kind of don't hate the role we have for him now, though. Just, like, be the change of pace guy and just maybe come in later in the game. Give him a couple carries. Maybe he could... Move the chains every now and then. I mean, it's pretty saw, clear. I, I turned on the TV the feature. other day, and I saw this dumb segment. I can't remember if it was ESPN or NFL Network. They're like, has Deion Lewis finally taken over the Titans' backfield? I'm like, <laughs> guys, he took over the Titans' backfield seven weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> they they are ridiculous with that narrative where they're like, oh, man, it's it's a constant neck-and-neck neck fight. I'm like, no, like they're both just terrible most they, of the time. These people but- do not watch the Titans. Like, I got to call out Will Brinson because I, I love Will Brinson. I think he's hilarious. But he tweeted they, – they threw the ball to on a swing pass to Derrick Henry. It was the first time I've ever seen that happen. And he tweets out, the Titans are just too committed to getting Derrick Henry involved in the passing game. I'm like, well, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Derrick Henry should convert to a wide receiver this offseason. Tight end, maybe. Maybe he He'd should be a just nice tight end. I think just he, use him at sweet motion. Can, can like, he can he instead convert to an Indianapolis Colt and just no have no more to do with him? No, because then he'll turn great and he'll run yeah. for hundred yards on Chillis. <laughs> he'll, he'll turn into Alabama Derrick Henry. Yeah, seriously. Like, trade him like trade him to Seattle or something, like whose offensive line has like quietly gotten really good and they're playing really well. Like trade him there and just get a pick back or something and then just move on. Yeah. Also, before we move on to talking about the Patriots, I got to call out uh, Scott Linehan. What in the oh, world was oh that second God. half? Poor Zeke. It was like play, it was like uh, so bad. You know when you like play Madden against this uh, person who like calls the same three plays every game, it's like 
inside zone, Hail Mary, and then, like, maybe a quick out if it's third and short. Like, that was their game plan in the second half. Oh, uh, do, do you all know my conspiracy theory on this? Oh, no. No. <laughs> okay. Wait. So my conspiracy theory is is that Jason Garrett was told to make Amari Cooper look like he deserved to be traded for a first-round pick. So they were clearly funneling the ball to him, and he was the first read on too many plays when he should have just been like treated as an every like just every other receiver. And so they were trying to funnel it to him, which works when he's matched up against Malcolm Butler. But when he's covered by somebody else, like when he got picked or like when Dak got picked off when he was in double coverage. Or um, when he's just being covered and he focuses too long on that read, it makes a bad quarterback even worse. I, I think that was a big part of it because I mean, he w- they looked at him all the time. Yeah, they they did, and, and uh, I'm sure Jerry Jones had a lot to do with the play calling. No, Not even joking. Nothing against the Titans' defense. I mean, they obviously played very very well. I thought Kevin Byard and Jayon Brown played exceptional football, to name a few, but. God, the Cowboys. They're yeah. just a bad team, you know, and they're just. And I don't think coached. it's. A, I don't think it's entirely a personnel issue. Now, granted, they need more. No, no. They need more out of the quarterback position, whether it's from Dak or someone else. But, gosh. L- listen, D- Dak made a horrible decision on, on the interception, but yeah, other than that, I didn't think he was terrible. Outside of maybe a, a through a few throws that that went a little awry. Yeah, he was. Um, he held but the ball. They don't, Landry said. Yes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I just I don't think this offense helps him at all. Uh they barely run any play action. Uh they don't they don't really use a lot of route combinations that work. I, they ran the same route against Malcolm Butler the whole game and they're they're lucky Malcolm Butler stinks and couldn't stop it. But they kept running uh like a 7-yard in or a slant routes um that worked all the time. Malcolm Butler was always always late. <laughs> And then the one time they set him up for a double move, he gets absolutely roasted yeah, he by Alan like, Hearns. By Alan Hearns. I can't. For his first touchdown as a Cowboy. Let's, uh, let's just pause and, and dive into a, a full-on Malcolm Butler discussion. Um, we, we keep hearing from the coaches that it's an eye problem. He's looking the wrong place. That's great. We also keep hearing, got to coach better. That's great. Do it. Okay. <laughs> It's great. Now fix it. Like uh, that, Alan Hearns touchdown was like very Parish Cox esque. Like he got turned completely around, and it was like a very slow, like sluggo double move type of route. It was bad. That was uh, that was Bleedy Ray Wilson. For all, uh, I, that is flat. Matthias, you you kept t- tweeting it that he's like lost all his feel for the position, and I, th- yeah. I think you're right. I mean, if his eyes aren't in the wrong place, even though his coaches are telling him, and I asked Dean Pease today, I said, you know, we we keep hearing that the eyes are in the wrong place. You know, how do you coach that out of him? He's like, well, we do it every day in practice. I'm like, well, then is he an idiot? Like, what is the problem? <laughs> I mean, it's it's just his reaction. Like, mm-hmm. it's gotten to the point where that's become his habit is to look directly back at the quarterback, and he's not changing it at all. Like, and honestly, like, there's no repercussions for him. So, I mean, he's not truly incentivized to do it. Like, I, I don't know. It's, it's It's bad. It's clearly the weakest spot on our defense. 
and the yeah. second pay, highest paid spot on your defense. Yeah, they they got they got to figure that out this offseason. Oh, man. What are they going to do, man? They're I mean, not You can't really. cut him cuz you're going to pay him anyway, so you might as well have him on the roster. I mean, it's not like he's a locker room problem, so Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. I, I I don't know if they can renegotiate his contract or if they can just, Yeah, you know, an agent's going to renegotiate oh, the contract cuz he sucks. I, I I mean, I don't know what they can do. I mean, they won't cut him just for the fact that like he's getting money anyway. But I mean, he may just be like a really expensive role player, or like they may you, we may get this thing in the offseason where they're like, uh, actually, we're going to try him some at safety too, and he's going to be kind of a hybrid where he can play mm-hmm. both positions. Does he and, does he need some Adderall? Like, can he get some from Kenny Vaccaro? Because Kenny got suspended when he was in New Orleans for using Adderall. I mean, he's just he, it's not that he's not focused. He's just he focused on the wrong thing. Now, if he, t- if he took the Adderall, he'd just be like uber focused on the quarterback, and yeah, like just, like, like it'd be they call like man coverage with the press, and the guy would just run by him, and he'd still be in his stance. Yeah, he never <laughs> pedals. He just stares at the quarterback. Yeah, and then he throws it. And he tries to run and catch it. Oh man! So uh, dude, he can learn a lot from Kenny Backro. He Backro has been amazing. He played very very well this weekend. That's for sure. Yeah. He, that was a huge, huge boon for us to get him back and put Kendrick Lewis on the bench again. And you got so, you okay. got to extend him for the Titans. I mean, yeah, like I yeah. love Cyprian, but Cyprian is better that you can get if you cut him next year, and you got like three edge rushers under contract, and there's a whole bunch of good free agent edge rushers coming. Yeah, like I, I don't know. Like I think you, I think if they can move on from Sip uh, this off season. I mean, I have to look at that. I mean, they can, and Sip was a uh, LeBeau LeBeau guy. Like, that's a guy that LeBeau stood on the table for. And I like, like, I wouldn't mind him being back as a third as a third safety. Like, like I just don't see the same maybe. burst. Talked about him being. I just don't see the same burst from Cyprian that I see from uh, from Vaccaro. No, Vaccaro, but Vaccaro could also play, like you could put Vaccaro at corner, and I would trust him more than Malcolm Butler. And that maybe that's not mm, saying a lot. Interesting. I, mean, I would trust him more than an average. I trust him more than Lashawn Sims. If they cut, if they cut Jonathan Cyprian the day after the season ends, they save five million on the cap next year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, that's, that is that's, that's happening. I mean, if Demarcus Lawrence, like it, it, he won't, he probably won't get out. I mean, they're going to franchise tag whatever. But if a player of that caliber is available, it's like a twenty million dollar hit. I mean, you essentially get a fourth of that contract paid for. If you cut Cyprian and keep Vaccaro, yeah. Although I, I, I guess it all depends on what Vaccaro would make in free agency. Like, is Vaccaro going to try to go out and get six million dollars, or is he going to be happy to just be on the team, get a long term contract? Or I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I think you move on from Cyprian if you can get Vaccaro for a reasonable price. I mean, and well, this is so. And, and how I, much does I, I halfway even make? I don't know. I halfway hate yeah. that this has even happened because now what's going to happen is we're going to hear these people, the same people who've been begging for Des Bryant. Well, they, they signed Vaccaro last year in August, and that worked out. That's the exception, not the principle. You don't just sign Pro Bowl quality players in August. So how'd that work with Eric Decker and Andre Johnson? Like, you win some, you lose a lot more. Yeah, the, the difference is... is if a guy's twenty seven or twenty six or whatever, take a risk on him. Like 
Yeah, why was Bakaro not signed by anybody? That's my question. He was. I don't uh, know. Social activist, wasn't he? Like, wouldn't no, he very... no, that you're thinking of. No, Eric Reed. that was Eric Reed. No, I know Eric Reed was, but I thought Kenny Baccaro had did something too. But may, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was just I mean, he, he had a bad season, and I think him and Sean Payton kind of weren't on the same page. But other than that, I don't. I, I don't think anything this, happened. There are a lot of rumors that if you get on Sean Payton's bad side, that he just bad mouths you to the rest of the league. Like, I'm not surprised. That 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 is a big rumor. Sean is Payton. that like? I mean, it doesn't matter if you're an assistant coach, if you're a backup guard, if you're a quarterback, whatever. If you cross Sean Payton, he just – I love I, Sean Payton. He just – he's crazy. Like, he's a great coach. Right, well, if that's true, then Mark Ingram will never play in the NFL again after this year. Uh, Mark Ingram, future <laughs> Tennessee Titans running back? Yes, please. Yeah, right. Qu- question, who is the best – Alabama running back in the NFL, not named Alvin Kamara. Well, I guess Alvin Kamara went to Tennessee, but well, but he was partially there. Yeah, um, I would say Kenyon Drake. I think Ingram's better than Drake. He's more proven, at least. Who would I rather have on my team? I think I, you. I think maybe Drake. Yeah, I mean. Kenyon Drake has never had a season like Mark Ingram had last year, has he? No, no way. I mean, but he's never been in an offense like that either. Yeah, so. that, that's that's the thing is like, how do you compare the Saints to the Dolphins? Like, <laughs> getting yards for the Dolphins is like getting fifty yards for the Saints. Like, it it comes with the same level of difficulty. I mean, I've always liked Ingram, so I'll say Ingram. Uh, but I mean, I, I guess I could see Kenyon Drake. It's not T.J. Yeldon. I know that, despite everybody telling me that. You know, this was the year that T.J. Eldon was going to steal the spotlight, and then once Fournette got hurt, that it was going to be T.J. Eldon, and then nothing. He's not bad. He's he's, he's a decent a, number two. Ingram. He's, he's not. No, 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 no. He's not Kenyon Drake. Like he's just an average running back. He's not Corey Grant, who's on his team. It, not that he went to Alabama, but. Oh, Eddie Lacy. Is he still in the league? No, he's not. <laughs> yeah, he's a backup guard for the Saints. <laughs> Uh, it's mean. We need to move on to the Patriots. Now, I mentioned before we started that I didn't want to talk about the injury report because this can take forever because everyone's hurt. So I'll just hit the highlights, and then you each can offer a quick comment, and then we'll move into actual substance. So Titans, uh, no Taewon Taylor or Tajay Sharp on Thursday. Will Compton's going to be back this week. Um Benny Logan was added with limited status, so really just the two receivers. And Conklin is in the concussion protocol. That's something to to keep an eye on too, but that's not really something we can analyze. It's just a an odds thing of whether the doctor clears him. And then for the Patriots, there's a slew of guys who were limited on Thursday. The notable ones are Cordero Patterson, Sony Michelle, Shaq Mason, native of my hometown of Columbia, Tennessee, uh, Dante Hightower, Rob Gronkowski, and Julian Edelman. Look, I feel like all those guys are going to play for the Patriots, especially Sony Michelle and Gronk. Uh, Sharp's going to play. Taylor, maybe not. Conklin, maybe not. That's those are my thoughts. Um, here's you got. I have a bit of a hot take. All right. Do we even want Conklin to play? In? Yes. Because Dennis Kelly came into the game, and yes. the offensive line was substantial. Yes, they want Conklin to play. Okay, I, here, okay. I think Conklin is going to get destroyed by Trey Flowers if he plays. Okay, 
Trey, Trey Flowers. Flowers, somebody that's I don't I don't like Trey Flowers that much. Um, okay, so here's my question: Would you put Dennis Kelly at guard at right guard? I'd put Conklin at right guard and put Conklin? Kelly at What's tackle. What's wrong with Klein? Uh, just overall skill level. Well, no, we got to get rid of Ben Jones first and foremost. <laughs> Can you play a? Uh, who is it? Uh, Dennis Kelly at center. He's too he's huge, man. That would be crazy. Like <laughs> the line of scrimmage would be so long just because he'd be in the middle of it. I, I don't want to like derail this conversation, but can you imagine like a shotgun like wildcat package with Dion Lewis in the backfield and then Dennis Kelly at center, where Dennis Kelly just stands straight up and you lose Dion Lewis, like you just can't see <laughs> it's him. like hiding him. Yeah, it's just <laughs> like or he goes in that old like Georgia Tech Navy triple option. Uh, under center where you're just like essentially sitting on the ground when you take the snap. Yes, yeah. Okay, back 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 to the Patriots though. Um Tom Brady, he's good, we know that. But right. this offense from a personnel standpoint is better than it's been in a really really long time. Like Edelman's still there, Gronk's still there, but Josh Gordon on top of that, who's a freak. And Sony Michelle, who is what Titans fans sometimes convince themselves Deion Lewis is, like, they're a scary team to face on offense. Now, their defense sucks, if you ask me, but their offense is, I mean, whew, really, really good. Yeah, I, I can't remember the last time they had these many weapons on offense. Um, I, I That Josh Gordon trade is just, it's already looking like a steal. I mean, they gave up a conditional fifth-round pick. It's just absurd. Um, he just really rounds out a really balanced wide receiver group uh, with Edelman in the inside. Chris Hogan could play inside and outside, and he's a really good blocker um, in the run game as well. And then they have uh, Philip Dorsett, who's kind of like a field stretcher. He really hasn't been playing much, but uh, whenever Josh Gordon needs a break, they just sub in Dorsett, um, and, and he could do his job. Uh, and then you mentioned Sony Michelle. He's coming back f- for this game. He missed the last couple of weeks with a knee injury. Um, I think it was a knee injury. Yeah, knee injury. Um, so he has been one of the better rookies in the NFL. Uh, I really liked him coming out of college, uh, coming out of Georgia. Uh, he hasn't been used in the passing game as much as, as I imagined, but they really haven't needed him uh, to be used that often in the passing game because they just target James White relentlessly out of the backfield and that no one can cover James White. It's unbelievable to watch. They either split him out wide um, as pretty much a receiver, or they just use him out of the backfield on these angle routes and out routes, and no one can stop him. Um, So that's going to be a real challenge. Um, Thankfully, our linebackers are actually very good. Jam Brown has had a fantastic season. Um, Wesley Woodyard is always solid, uh, although I I don't think he could really compete with James White. Um, but I'll be interested to see how much um, we use Rashawn Evans in this game uh, because I'm assuming the, the Patriots will probably target him with, with their running backs out of the backfield. Uh, but Rashawn Evans had a really good game against Dallas, um, and he's one of the quicker linebackers that we've had. So I think he could play a pretty pivotal role in this game against those running backs. Yeah, I mean, we definitely should say Rashawn Evans had his best game as a Titan, and then, I mean, he's really been pretty good the past three three games we just don't really talk about it because this is the first one we've won but 
I mean, Evans looks solid. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not terribly afraid of the Patriots offense. Y'all, y'all make it sound really good, and that's, that's fine. I don't think Chris Hogan's that good. I think he. I think it's easy to be a receiver in this offense because Tom Brady, you know, makes great reads and can find the open guy, and it's a really well designed offense. I don't think he's anything special. Um, I, I don't think their offensive line is that good. Now, the, I do think that what they have to worry about is passes out of the backfield, like you were talking about, quick passes, kind of that Miami-style offense where it really just paralyzes your front seven where you can't get any kind of pass rush, um, especially because Malcolm Butler's got to be matched up on somebody, which is, you know, when in doubt, throw it that way, and they'll be able to move the chains a lot. But I'm not really scared of Rob Gronkowski. I think Kenny Vaccaro, Kevin Byard. Wesley Woodyard, Rashawn Evans, and Jayon Brown can handle the tight ends and the running backs for the most part if they're matched up correctly. Uh, but what I, I mean, I really like the way Josh McDaniel schemes the offense. So I'm afraid that he's going to find a way to screw us over and put James White on uh, Wesley Woodyard two times in a row and hit him with a one in the flats and then hit him with a wheel route and go over his head. That that just is burned into my mind as something that could happen, but. I mean, I, I don't know. This is we talked about it earlier. This is a team that is the best in the league on defense. Like, I, I don't, I don't see a guy on this offense that scares me in the way that DeAndre Hopkins does, and the way that Will Fuller does. Rob Gronkowski doesn't scare you. No, he like not he, right now. Two years ago, yeah, Rob Gronkowski is a shell of him. So that's why the Patriots had traded him in the offseason. The same thing about JJ Watt. And he was trash when he played us. And then he went through a string. And if you listen to uh, – this is a good thing to talk about. If you listen to J.J. Watt's interviews uh, the past couple of weeks, he's essentially said, I didn't think I was ever going to be back to what I was, but then I really got going. And what that means is he finally played against backup offensive tackles and you know the Giants and all that, and he finally got to a rhythm, and he remembered, oh, okay, I can be dominant instead of you know having to go against real offensive players – and it just gave him a head of steam, and now he's backed on top. But, I mean, don't don't ever forget that he played 20 snaps against uh, Kevin Pamphile and uh, Merritt and got zero sacks. You know, it, so we, we can talk about that a different time. But J.J. Watt was washed, and then he played other teams in the Titans and got healthy. But, I mean, Rob Gronkowski is fine. Like, I I don't think Johnny Smith's better than I mean, I'm not I'm not thinking anything like that, but I mean he's not a top three or four tight end of the NFL right now. He's not Rob Gronkowski like you remember him. Here's the moment of truth. Would you rather have right now Rob Gronkowski or Delaney Walker? Delaney Walker. You would rather have Delaney Walker with a broken ankle than Rob Gronkowski. For the next three years, yeah, because like No, I, I said cool. right now. Oh, you mean like if I've got to like roll him out on the field? Yes. I mean, then probably Gronkowski. <laughs> okay, there we go. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, the thing about Gronk right now is that he's dealing with ankle and back injuries, uh, and we've known he's had a bad back for years. Um, and he's still playing fine. Like, he's still a good blocker. Um, he can still make contested catches, but he just looks slow, and, and he just really doesn't look like like his old self. Um, but if we want to keep talking about the offense and who scares me, I'm scared of Josh Gordon because they are going to attack Malcolm Butler 
the entire game. And it's going to be Josh ugly. Gordon, Josh Gordon is one of the best downfield deep threats uh, in the entire league. Um, he, he isn't quite as fast as he used to be, uh, but he could still get open. Um, and Malcolm Butler, I mean, we, we talked about him already. It's just anyone's getting open downfield against him. Uh, and Josh Gordon's just one of those guys that can make these these crazy catches um, vertically. So that's what I'm scared of. Uh, yeah, uh, and considering Malcolm Butler used to play for the Patriots, you you, you can bet that Bill Belichick is, is going to go after him pretty hard. Yeah, that does scare me. It does scare me the fact that Everybody's like, oh, this is a Malcolm Butler revenge game, unless they've watched Titans games. And they're like, oh, no. Or unless you look even farther and you're like, okay, well, Bill Belichick got criticized for losing the Super Bowl because he benched Malcolm Butler. His response is going to be to absolutely torch Malcolm Butler. So yeah. I, I would not put him on the field. I, I would never give him the chance to do that. Is it, more, is it more likely that this will be a Malcolm Butler revenge game or a Jason McCourty revenge game? Oh, McCourty. I mean, just by default, Jason McCourty. That's what I think. Like, because it, it can't be the first one. Just like it can't be a Delaney Walker revenge game. <laughs> like, there's a 0% chance. McCourty's having a pretty good year, actually. Every, I mean, everybody has decent years with the Patriots because they're just schemed up so well and because they put offenses in such bad positions because they're automatically down 14 points by the end of the first quarter. Yeah. How, how important is it for the Titans' outside linebackers to get pressure this week? Uh, does it matter? Brady's just going to tear us apart if we blitz. So yeah. I don't... Uh, the outside linebackers, Rackpo oh, and you, Morgan. You're saying just like pressure in general. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, their offensive line isn't all that great, honestly. Um, so I, I think we should be able to get a good amount of pressure. Uh, Morgan's not back, right? He was limited today. Oh, he's probably not going to play. Uh, I thought Arakpo had a good game against Dallas. He, he's been here. Oh, sack, sack numbers haven't been there. Uh, and we've seen how good Harold Landry can be. Um, I think there's a there's a pretty good – I don't know, man. They're, I think their interior is, is probably better than their tackles. Uh, Marcus Cannon isn't all that great. Uh, I think it's Trent Brown. He's kind of attackable. Uh, their interior isn't bad. Sha- Shaq Mason is pretty good. Joe Thune is pretty good, too. Um, so I don't think this is a game for Jarrell Casey. Um, I think this is more a game for Her- Harold Landry, uh, especially uh, on Marcus Cannon. Marcus Cannon's kind of like a bigger guy. Um, he's kind of slow, and I think Harold Landry could get a good amount of pressure on that side, uh, especially with his speed. So, yeah. I don't disagree with the Harold Landry stuff. I disagree that I think Drew Casey has to do something this game because the only thing that consistently messes up Tom Brady is, in, is interior pressure, and nobody should know that better than Mike Vrabel. I mean, I know they never, I know he never coached around him or whatever. I mean, he played around him for a decade. Like you, you know what he's good at and what he's not, and you know he struggles with interior pressure. Find a way to get interior pressure, and if that's X stunts with the linebackers. If that's delayed blitz with Jayon Brown like they've done before, whatever you've got, if even if it's a slot blitz that comes over the top and comes through the middle, like A gap and B gap pressure is the only thing that bothers him. Like other than Michael Strahan, Michael Strahan bothered him. But you know, it, it's one of those things where I would really like for Brian Arakpo and Harold Landry and Derek Morgan, if he's back, and Kamala Correa to have good solid games where they were in the backfield a lot, but. I just think if it's outside pressure, he's just going to dump it off quick and live to fight another day. And if it's interior pressure, that's, you know, he's going to try to hold it or whatever he does. But 
whatever the difference is mentally when interior pressure comes at him versus outside pressure, I mean, that's how you get to him, and you have to do it early in the game. So I don't know how they manufacture it or if they just trust Jarrell Casey to beat the guy in front of him. But if we don't get anything from Austin Johnson, Daquan Jones, and Jarrell Casey, it's going to be a long day. It's going to be terrible. Dude, where is Daquan Jones? I haven't heard his name all year. That's a good question. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's no Austin Johnson. We saw Austin <laughs> Johnson get that big sack on Monday Night Football. Like That was a great play. He didn't do anything the rest of the game, but that was a good play. Or, the, or really the rest of the season, for that matter. Yeah, yeah. I say, like, go and shut him down and wait for Daquan to get his three, and then we'll be done. Um, What does the Titans' offense need to do, do you think, against the Patriots' defense? Score. Well, yeah, yeah. score points. <laughs> but I mean, do you, I mean, do you keep a similar game plan to the one they used last week? Do you? Yes. Yeah, okay. I, I think. I don't know. I actually don't know. I, I you got to attack them with Deion Lewis, of course. Um, but that's pretty much every game. Um, and I don't know, man. They're gonna put Stephen Gilmore on Corey Davis, and Corey Davis is gonna struggle. So. Corey Davis. <laughs> Corey Davis will have nine targets for six catches for 60 yards. Like that, yeah. That's exactly what will happen. I mean, they put Byron Jones on him, and he still caught – I mean, he wasn't in man coverage all the time, but, I mean, there were several plays where he caught passes with Byron Jones covering him. So, um, I mean, okay, here's – you know, we talked about it last week. This is what you really need to do is you need to put Jostin Fowler on the field a lot or go two tight ends because you want to force them to Well, the only time Justin Fowler is going to be on the field is if he goes to Jersey Swamp afterwards. That's that that cannot happen. Like okay, like you you have to figure out a way to get an extra either a fullback or an extra tight end or whatever you've got to get because you want to get a Landon Roberts and Kyle Van out there like you want you want those terrible linebackers to have to cover and like play football that's their work the, the linebackers the Patriots have are the worst linebackers in the NFL they're terrible so you've got to find a way to force those guys onto the field and you know you don't I mean you don't have to run out of those formations you can just much less Derrick Henry or Deion Lewis so that's got to be and it's going to be another one of those games where Mariota, if, if they have a good game, Mariota will have 22 of 29 for 201 yards. Like because this team can't run the ball. Well, but but it'll be like so – the total yardage is going to be so underwhelming because they have to use that as an extension. And then, I mean, he may run it for six touches for 70 yards or whatever. But like in terms of how the running backs are going to be used and how many deep shots they take, they're not going to take many deep shots because the safeties and uh, secondary is really well coached. But they can beat those running backs – or they can beat those linebackers in space with their running backs. So I expect them to do that a lot. And then once they start biting on that, then you'll run the double screens. You know, Then you'll run the quarterback draw, all that kind of stuff. It, it, I just – that's that's what in my head makes sense right now. But – who knows what we'll actually do? Yeah, Mariota has got to run the ball a lot in this game, um, and he can't turn the ball over. If you turn the ball over against the Patriots, you, you're done. If you turn it over just one time, you're probably going to lose the game. Yeah. Um, and I think on the ground, he can have a lot of success. Um, running quarterbacks have been pretty pretty effective against the Patriots this year. Uh, Bortles had six carries for 35 yards. Deshaun Watson, eight carries for 40 yards. 
uh, Trubisky went nuts. He had six carries for 81 yards and a touchdown. Um, so I think that's something that's definitely exploitable um, with Mariota's legs. Uh, just because, they're, like you said, their linebackers aren't that great. Um, and th- their defensive line isn't all that great in containing quarterbacks. So I think there's a this is a good spot for Mariota. Um, I'm just I'm just concerned just because I've been seeing him string together uh, consistent performances before, and the the Patriots usually I don't know at least when they play against us they they tend to they tend to really frustrate our quarterbacks. But uh, I have a pretty good feeling just because the Patriots defense hasn't been all that great all season. I think the Patriots would rather take away Mariota's legs than Corey Davis. I, I don't. I don't. I, mean, oh, I think yeah, you totally. Yeah, them. for sure. I think you can do both of them. But if you if you find out that they're lining up Stephon Gilmore on one side and not on the other, and that's how they're just deciding to play, like I, I think they won't cheat safety help or anything like that. Like I think you're going to get some one on one matchups with Corey Davis. And pretty much the whole day, it's just up to you to scheme him into favorable positions because they're going to mush rush and they're going to hold those linebackers and you know that that's just what they're going to do. And I would imagine they're really not going to respect the running game a lot because they think that they can handle it and they would rather you try to run it on them than to get hit with a deep play action pass, which is what's working for us. Yeah, I remember last year when uh, we couldn't run the ball at all in the playoffs against them. Derrick Henry had one. One of the worst games of the year. And, and the Patriots had the worst rushing defense, or one of the worst rushing defenses yeah. in the league, and we just could not figure it out. But you know who played really badly in that game, too? Malcolm Butler. Mal- I was going to say. <laughs> that is true. First, that I thought true. you were going to say, you know who played really well. I was going to say Corey yeah, Davis, but because he was playing against Malcolm Butler. Oh, yeah, that's true. Corey Davis did have a day. I, th- I, think, oh. I think that's going to do it for us. I mean, we could sit around for another 10 minutes to talk about how good the Patriots are, but, I mean, Everyone knows that. Uh, real quick, though, before we go, give us a key to the game. Uh, mine is get pressure from your starting outside linebackers, not on stunts, not on blitzes. Just get off your – beat your man and get it to the quarterback. Yeah. Um, in order for us to win this game, our red zone defense has to play as well as it has all year. Um I think we have the best red zone percentage defense by like eight percentage points, which is absurd. So if we can hold the Patriots to field goals, I think we may be able to make enough plays on offense to come away with a win. Um, I mean, mine's just force bad personnel groupings on the field. You know, use your tight ends, use your fullback that you just signed and we're so excited to bring back into the fold. Find a way to get that third linebacker on the field and make them play with a team that they know is not very good and then just figure out ways to be creative around that. I agree completely. That's going to do it for us. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week to uh, recap Titans versus Patriots. Then after the Patriots, yeah, who is it after the Patriots? Uh, the Colts, I think. Yeah. Here? Uh, no. no, on the road. And then we play that's the right, Saints. That's right. Then that's we right. play the Texans on the road. Well. On Monday Night Football. So a couple of division games coming up after this week would be nice to for the Titans to go into those on a roll. So, again, thanks for listening. We'll talk to everybody next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.